What are you listening to? You don't know that the guy's just put I know that. No, this is one that I know. Tom Brady's bordering now on Godlike. You gotta put the bourbon down and go to a doctor. He's... All right, listen up, y'all. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bump and Run. I'm Pete Colasano here in sunny Atlantic City, joined by my friend Scott Bracey. What's going on, dude? Good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I, you know, did you have a good time? When we did our mock draft last week, did you have a good time doing that? I had a phenomenal time doing I that. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And one of the things we were curious about, uh, we wondered whether or not it was like good radio, like if it was good listening. I don't know this isn't radio, but it's the same thing. If it was good podcasting, right? Um, our numbers clearly show that this was one of our our best podcasts in a while. In fact, it popped very, very early, which means people who know us, they knew that we were doing a mock draft and immediately listened because on the first day, we had some uh, the, the amount of people that we normally have by Saturday. So like within, within, within 12 hours, we had as many as we usually have in like 72 hours. So, but it was a big one. We got some pretty good numbers and we got some good feedback. We are closing in on 3,000 listeners, which is a nice, round, thick, fat number for us. Thick and fat. I don't know if I should talk like that. That's that's good. Um, and I had alluded to last week that we were going to be doing a giveaway. So here's the bump and run giveaway for all our listeners. Um, here's all you have to do to, be, to, to have a chance at winning, and then I'll tell you what you're going to get. Uh, you have to be a subscriber. Now, you could be a subscriber on YouTube, or you could be a subscriber to the podcast, preferably both, of course, okay? So you can't even be entered if you're not a, if you're not a subscriber. So that's number one. You have to be a subscriber. Number two, and this is how you get entries, you have to leave a comment. You can leave a comment on Facebook, on Instagram, on um, on the YouTube videos that we post where we post our uh, the actual podcast, or sometimes I post a little video alluding to certain things that we've done. Every time you make a comment, you get an entry, okay? So you post one comment, you get one entry. Now, if you're feeling really frisky, like some of our listeners are from time to time, especially when you say some such outlandish things that need to be vocalized, if you leave us a voice message, which you can do only on the Anchor app, if you leave us a voice message, you are you now get five entries. So one voice message equals five entries in the contest. You say, well, what do I get? We obviously uh, lean heavily on the NFL. So what we're going to do is, I'm pr- it's probably going to be somewhere around August 15th is going to be the cutoff date. Uh, on August 15th, we will tally all the, you know, we'll give everybody their however many entries they get. And the winner will get a t-shirt of the team of their choice and we're going to get bump and run sports podcast somewhere on the t-shirt form okay so if you're a if you're an eagles fan down here in south jersey you're going to get an eagles shirt if you're a broncos fan up in north jersey you're going to get a broncos shirt if you're a giants fan you're going to get a giant shirt if you're a texans fan i feel really sorry for you but but you know what i'm saying (laughs) whatever team is your favorite you're going to get the a t-shirt with that team on it, and you're going to have Bump and Run Sports Podcast somewhere on a t-shirt, okay? But all you got to do is be a subscriber, comment, or give us a voice message, and hopefully we'll be able to use that. All right? And that's just our way of saying thank you for listening, and thank you for taking the ride with us. So see how that goes. Um, we did our we did our mock draft last week, and I think in the middle of it, we were both like, this is, you know, I don't know how crazy this is. Some of these picks seem absurd. And when I went over it, I was like, whoa, 
between the two of us, we did top 15 picks because then, frankly, I mean, you set it up this way last year because you realized after 15, all friggin' hell breaks loose and nobody's picking in the spot that they were picking in. <laughs> Even you, one of the questions you asked me after we did our mock was like, how many trades were there, will there be? And I think I said two, maybe three. I don't know if I said two or yeah, three. It, it, ended up being like, like, it ended up being like 17. It was like something ridiculous. <laughs> so, um, and then fr frankly, for the first three or four rounds, I think they set a record for trades. Like it was, oh, it, it was, was pretty nice. hot and heavy. Um, but for those 15 picks, I could be wrong and we'll go over it right now. But we, 13 out of the 15, we either got it right exactly or we got the position exactly right. And if we didn't, and I will give an example, we said, what well, you know, because there was one pick where I was like, this isn't going to happen. This is just what I would do. What they're probably going to do is this. And that's exactly what they ended up doing. So. I wanted to go over it one by one. You know, we don't have to spend too much time on each one because we kind of did that during the mock or in pre-draft stuff. So let's go over and say, like, what went, what actually happened here. So what was our first pick? Jacksonville. Jacksonville went Tavon Walker, and I picked Hutchinson, so I got the position right, just the wrong guy. Position right, wrong guy. Um, I think a lot of people were surprised at that because there was some talk about that. I really didn't think they'd actually do it, but they did. Listen, as I said last week, I root for all these guys to do well. They're instant millionaires. I hope they're all successful. Um, and and I think both of us, when when we have doubts or when we have issues, we're not saying this guy's going to be a bust. We don't know who's going to work and we don't know who's not. But we just have concerns. And frankly, his production, considering his ability, wasn't always the same. Whereas Hutchinson, you know, it was it was both. You got the production and you got the effort all the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so what was the second? The second pick went to the Detroit Lions, and that was that was Hutchinson, and you had Kayvon Thibodeau. Right. So we got the again, we got the player wrong, but we pretty much got the position right. Rush end, yep. outside linebacker, however you yep. want to do it. So we got that one right too. What was the next one? Texans. I got this one completely wrong. Um, I picked Charles Cross, tackle of Mississippi State, and they went corner. Yeah. Now the funny thing about this is I don't think either one of us was very high on Stingley. And I think a lot of people looked at this as like a shock. Like a lot of people are like, whoa, he went really high. Listen, some people love Stingley. Some people are like, wow, the, you know, it is what it is. They like him. I, I don't I don't know. But it certainly to me was a surprise, which helped with the next pick in in because <laughs> I ended up taking for the Jets. And who'd they end up taking? Sauce Gardner. And that ended up being exactly correct. So we out of the first four picks, we got one wrong. And frankly, that was the, the one that we got wrong was kind of like nobody saw that one coming anyway. So in, in real life, too, the Jets must have been thrilled. Oh my God. Were. Oh my God. Because the way it was going, I'm actually thinking, shit, there's no way. There, there there's a good chance they're gonna take Sauce Gardner here. And they didn't. And then and then of course, as a Jets fan, you're sitting there like they never do the right thing. They're totally going to blow this and take, like, I don't know, Thibodeau or something like that. And they didn't. They talk, They took Sauce Gardner. Again, I, rec I thought he was the best player in this draft, so I'm excited about that. And we'll talk about winners and losers later, but the Jets did a pretty good job here, I thought. What was the next one? Giants. I had them taking Ikem Iguanu, right. NC State. And they ended up taking Kayvon Thibodeau in that spot at five. Right. So, okay, so we can say, oh, you got this one wrong. But I'm going to include pick number seven, and the Giants took who? Giants took Evan, Evan Neal, Neal and tackle you, Alabama. And, you and said I had take, them taking uh, 
Tavon Walker. Okay, so here's, again, we didn't get it right, but we got it right. So (laughs) in in two Giants picks, which were two out of three picks, you had them taking a high-end rush end and a a high-end offensive tackle. Correct. Right? And what did they end up doing? They took a high-end rush end and a high-end offensive Offensive tackle. tackle. Okay, so while we didn't get the exact players right, we got literally the position right. I think – so we're like – so that's really six picks if you include those two. We're five out of six right now on at least getting the position correct, which is, uh, like, unbelievable for a mock draft. Okay, so the next one uh, – In between between was the Panthers, right? Right. And what did I say? You had Kenny Pickett. I had Kenny Pickett, and they actually took Ikem Ikwanu. Now – I will, I will reserve this one by saying, I don't think that, you remember I said, and, and I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that episode because it actually is friggin' amazing when you listen to what we said, not just the picks, but then what we said, well, if not this, then this, or I could see this here or that here. I actually said, this is what I would do. They're not going to do this. And then I went on to say, they'll probably take an offensive tackle, which they ended yeah. up doing. Okay. So I got the pick wrong, but I got the pick wrong because I, that's what I would have done as opposed to what they actually did. And I like the pick. I end up liking the pick because in the end, you, you have to you have to protect your yeah. quarterback and, and go from there, which they ended up no matter, getting much later no in the draft. Who that's going to be, yeah. Yeah, who'd they end up getting later? Uh, they took Corral, right? Yeah, that's right. They took Corral from uh, Mississippi. And then we so we'll skip to number eight. And then you hit one right on the head again. Drake London, wide receiver, USC. Now, we had a lot of fun with this one because I had been – I don't know if the word is bashing, but down, I'll say downplaying. Bash, yeah, bashing's fair. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try to be a little more diplomatic with it and say, I had, I know, because I, I couldn't even stand it. I was, you know, it's funny. I listened to I listened to it like over the weekend after the draft had finished. And I'm listening to myself. I couldn't even, I if you, if you, if it was anybody other than me, I'm like, dude, just spit it out. Like, I, just, I didn't even want to say it because I knew the hypocrisy that was pouring out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. After I had downplayed uh, Mr. Drake London for weeks, bashing. <laughs> I I just thought it was a good fit, and shockingly enough, uh, Mike Dean from Dean Dome Sports was here watching a draft with me, and he was like, "Oh yeah, how was that? Did you guys have some cocktails? Yeah, a, a couple beers. Mike had an injury; blast. he was nursing, so he was a little. He was also nursing the beer at the same time." But was it sore had, thumbs from all DraftKings? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, we had a good time, and uh, you know what? It was it was just fun comparing what we thought was going to happen. It's always fun co- being around others that know the sport because yeah. you can in, in real time. You're like, who did you think they were going with? And he actually nailed uh, a bunch ahead of time as well. Um, but he was like, dude, you freaking nailed that one. I'm like, I don't know, I know, and I feel bad about it actually because I've been killing the kid for weeks. But I just think it was a fit. Uh, interestingly, all the so-called experts. On TV, they were kind of evenly split with this one. Some of them wanted to see more like uh, uh, Jameson Garrett Williams, or, uh, Garrett James Wilson Williams, yeah. here because they're a little more explosive. But others were like, this is a perfect thing for Mark Mariota and for a probable new quarterback in the future. And they ended up getting Desmond Ritter later in the draft. So nice big target. I get all that. I just didn't like him for the Jets. But I had what well, I you know got lucky with that one. What can I tell you? Number nine. So this was my reach of the draft. I had center Tyler Lindenbaum here. Right, and they Um, ended up taking offensive tackle Charles Cross from Mississippi State. And you say, well, how much of a reach was it? Because you recognized that they were going to go offensive line. (laughs) Like, So it's like, okay, 
do we take what's recognized, number one, certainly as the best center, and some people thought was actually the best offensive lineman in the draft, or do we get another offensive lineman? It's not like they went, like you said, they're going to take an offensive lineman, and they ended up taking a safety. Like right. that's de- Which could have been because Kyle, Kyle Hamilton was still on the board at number nine, right? And you mm-hmm. know you know, Pete Carroll loves safeties. Like he's made a living in, a, in championships off of great safeties. He didn't do it. Kind of fell in line with where you were going, which was bolster the offensive line. Maybe a season too late since Russell Wilson bitch and moan about the offensive line. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, they took an offensive lineman, a good one at that. So we're still on point. So at this point, really, we have, you know, two wrong. And even with the with the one, we had a qualifier recognizing that it wasn't um, that Kenny Pickett probably wasn't going to go to Carolina. Oh, by the way, if you listen to that particular podcast you'll hear you'll hear me say right before we ended the carolina part was he'll probably end up with pittsburgh where did kenny pickett end up at pittsburgh Pittsburgh. great fit for him there by the way i'm super happy for him it was one of the coolest moments in the draft night was watching him get the phone call and he just broke down and lost his shit when you see that kind of stuff and you see how happy these kids get um it's pretty cool Next one is the New York Jets, Jets at number 10. Position was correct, just wrong player. Yep, you. Uh, I had said they would take Jameson Williams. Um, they ended up taking Garrett Wilson. I have no complaints here. Uh, I think I even. I think you had asked me, like, if they took a Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson here, would you be upset? And I said, no, no. And I understand, you know, um, the argument for – uh, for taking someone who's available now because he can work out in the whole offseason with the young quarterback, Zach Wilson, and all these other guys. You can get to work with him immediately as opposed to with James Williamson, Williams, um, Jameson Williams, you have to wait a while till he's healthy to put the work in. So I understand yeah. that. I'm not, I'm not upset about it. It could have been a lot worse. Um, you know, one thing that was on the board here that there was a lot of like other mock drafts we're talking about, uh, Jermaine Johnson might have been a pick at number 10. Um, I'm trying to put myself in the moment as opposed to knowing already what happened. I'm pretty sure at the time, not because we did this mock draft, but I just, I like Jermaine Johnson, but I was hoping they went with the wide receiver there and they did. So at least in the moment, I was happy about that, but there's more to come on that after when we do our winners and losers. Yep. Yep. Uh, commanders, I had them taking Garrett Wilson. What number is that? That's 11. Okay, so it ended up being a trade. This is amazing, dude. It ended up being a trade to the New Orleans Saints, Saints yep. and they end up taking Chris Olave. So once again, we got it. It was wrong, but it was right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> um, nailed that one again, and we did. We nailed it even with the wrong team, which was even you know even crazier. <laughs> yeah. Like it's amazing. Uh, so the next pick was what Detroit Lions from Minnesota. Uh, oh yeah, yep, yep. And what did we say it would go at number twelve? Well, you had George Karlofkis to the Vikings. Right. So. so here's one that we totally got wrong, but it was also because it was a trade. It ended up being yeah. Jamison Williams. Um, and I actually think this is a great pick for Detroit for the opposite reason that I don't – I understand why the Jets didn't do it. Detroit's not going to be an elite team right now. Goff is not – I should say probably not your you know, future, future quarterback. So you're not in a rush to get – Jameson Williams reps and get him in there, whereas the Jets are – they have their now quarterback, or at least they're trying to find out if they have their now quarterback. So this is almost – you for, for Detroit Lions fans, you could almost look at this as like a 2023 draft pick 
Because what you're really hoping for is that he pops in 2023. You'll take whatever you can get in 2020, you know, this coming season. But what you're really looking for is to for him to be who he's capable of being in 2023. So right. and they moved up pretty significantly to go get that pick. So you know they liked them a lot. Um, do you think that that for him dropping to 12 like that? Do you think that's a do you think that's him falling? Or do you think that's kind of about where you expected him to go? I had him going 10, 11, 12 around okay. that range. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Anything anything above top 10, I think, would have been a little bit of a risk. And I know it makes no sense, like four or five picks to most people. Yeah. But I think you know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. I, when I was on with Mike Cohen, I said I, I said I think the Jets had a chance at him at number 10 because I felt like there was yeah. – and that's probably what happened – you know, any teams that think are thinking about competing this coming season are probably not looking at him as somebody who's going to really contribute a lot. So anyone like that wouldn't want him. And anybody who has a, a now quarterback, like the Giants, um, even, you know, uh, I'm thinking like New Orleans or something like that. Like, you want to know about your quarterback now. Right. You don't want to have a guy who might be coming in in Thanksgiving, you know, or, you know, something like that. So I, I get why he fell. We kind of thought he would, and he did. But there's a lot of potential for him to be a, a super great player there. Uh, 13, this ended up being traded. Also, Philadelphia Eagles. What did we say at 13? Who was it going to be? Was that going to be Houston? I had, I had Houston. I had them take a defensive lineman, Jordan Davis. Dude, and you nailed it on the nuts, <laughs> and it wasn't even Houston. It's just, this is what I'm talking about. This is craziness. So, you you know, you talked them up. You know, on that at the time, because you're like, this this is clearly the best run stopper in the whole draft, and um, and Philadelphia bolstered their offensive line, and that was after they had traded for AJ Brown, which was probably the the shocker of the first round. Um, I know we were sitting yeah. here like, what just happened, dude? Like, and it was even more shocking to me because I know the Jets were were sh- were looking for whether it was DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. They inquired about AJ Brown, and these were like hard nos. So, didn't I didn't I, I did not see this coming at all, and no. then boom, right in the middle of the draft, cello AJ Brown to the Eagles, which, if you just talk off season as opposed to just draft, it instantaneously makes Eagles have a winning off season. You know what I'm saying? So now you got the defensive no tackle who fills a big gap, and you have AJ Brown, who's a just elite receiver. We had talked about him a few weeks ago. Like, wow, this guy's really. Or I think actually more towards the end of the season, we're like, wow, he's just really good. Like, he's big, he's fast, he's strong. So, uh, great pick, good, good call with the defensive tackle on that one, and good job by the Philadelphia Eagles. Number fourteen, another one that we just smacked in the face here. Who, right who did, on the screws. Uh, Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and I heard through the grapevine that they were in oh. up there with this pick. And what did we say? Now, again, we didn't know how this was going to go down because we don't. When we do our mock draft, we don't tell each other what we're thinking about picking. No, we just we just no. come in here and do it. And I said to you, this happened before I actually made the pick. I said this happens every goddamn year. Eddie Desain is probably stroking himself because the somehow the Ravens always have that guy, whoever that guy is. They don't move up. He just falls into their lap. And this year, a guy who some people thought was a top five or six pick drops to 14, and they end up nabbing him. And I remember even when I made the pick in our mock, I'm like, dude, this happened in our mock draft. There's no friggin' way this kid's dropping a 14 in real life. 
And he did. And he did. Friggin' unbelievable. I'll get into this in a second, but you could argue three picks fell to their lap. <laughs> yeah, I think we both will end up getting into this in a second. But the 15th pick, I had them taking... I had the Eagles in that spot, and then I had him taking Derek Stinley, um, but I was obviously way off there. Yeah, they, uh, uh, it ended up being a think... it ended up being a pick that was traded to the Texans, and they took uh, guard Kenyon Green from Texas A and M. And again, yep, that's yep. not one that you can really be blamed for. Number one, like Stingley was off the board, obviously at that point. Yeah. But um, but once there's a trade, you you know, frankly, the fact that we even got a couple dead on balls accurate. Yeah, with cool. after a trade, pretty amazing. So I think out of fifteen picks, we got twelve. I think twelve or thirteen, either exactly right or the position right. Pretty unbelievable, and and um, <laughs> and, and a lot of fun. We were questioning whether we were being ridiculous or whether it was good podcasting. I think it was a little bit of both. Yeah, I, you know, because I think like normally we take a, some things. Uh, to the next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, listen to it back. I really enjoyed it. And and after knowing what the Jeff was. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. As I'm sitting there on Thursday night with Mike and things are going down, I'm like, I'm trying to think back because we had just done it a couple hours before that. And I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't Scotty? Like, did, wait, didn't I just? Drake London, what the hell? Like, it just. Yeah. It was hitting me that we were either getting the player exactly right or the position right. I don't know. I think that says something a little bit about us. Because go look at anybody else's mock draft. Just look at their top 15 and see how accurate they were in the same right. realm. In the same realm, whether it be the actual player or the position. Go take a look. Go take a look at Mel Kuyper, who's recognized yeah. as the draft guru. See how many he just got the position right as compared to us. And I'm not bashing Mel Kuyper. Love him. So, I mean, he's he's it when it comes to the draft. So, I'm not, I'm not trying to say we're better than him or anything like that. I'm just trying to say we know we do know what we're talking about. And um, we, I think we come from a little different perspective with it, too. And not for nothing. They do, like, six mock drafts. We did one. One. Uh, and, like, in the moment. Yeah. Like, it wasn't um, you do your 15 picks, I'll do my 15. Right. We literally <laughs> did a draft and friggin' killed it. So, kudos to us. Listen, somebody, some people might say, oh, you're always, like, patting yourself on the back. Well, who the hell else is going to do it, right? <laughs> All right. So, me and Scotty pat each other on the back a little bit. So, why don't we take a look? You know, I actually feel so. We have our draft. Uh, we got three winners, three losers from the draft, and I gotta be honest with you. Usually, especially in a first round, it's a lot easier to kind of pinpoint and nail down. Like, whoa, that was just strange. Like, I don't know if it was. I think it was last year with the Raiders. They got the kid, the guard out of uh, out of Alabama, who some people thought was a second rounder that they end up taking a first. Usually, there's a couple that are so blatantly obvious. Leatherwood. Correct. Thank you. I actually thought most picks were at least justifiable, understandable. You know, even if I didn't necessarily agree with it, I didn't think they were like, where the hell did that come from? There weren't too many of those or almost any that I can even. Uh, maybe there was one and I'll get to that in a minute, too. So why don't, yep. why don't we yep. what do you want to start with winners or losers? Let's go winners. All right, let's go winners. You go with yours first. I'll start right off the bat. I'll go with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think to get a run stopper in Jordan Davis, to to get AJ Brown in a trade day of, in third round to to, to snap or grab Nicobe Dean. Uh, yeah. Um, this was nice. I tell you, I think two teams drafted two Georgia guys on defense, which is pretty cool. Oh, so what's Dean's deal? Was he injured? 
he's got a shoulder or a pec or something going on. Okay. They don't know if he's going to need surgery or not. But, dude. He might right, be the so best you, player on that defense. So even – yeah, so even if you – say he misses the year, and that's and – that's A huge if. A huge if. Yeah, unlikely. But if he did. You get him for three years. He's the fastest linebacker coming out. You put him behind Jordan Davis, which he's familiar with, which exactly. is a no-brainer if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm telling you, I think it was a steal. I could, I'm, I'm watching. I was hoping Denver was going to trade up early second round and grab him. And then he just kept falling and falling. I'm like, what is going on with this guy? Yeah. And then uh, Daniel Jeremiah or uh, one of those guys came on and was saying what was going on with him. But, my God. Yeah, I think – well, first of all, before we go any further, I think both of us are kind of looking at this as – it's a draft winners and losers, but we're really looking at, like, off-season winners and losers. We're including – I certainly yes. am. I'm including off-season and draft. Oh, sure. Maybe more the draft, but I'm including the off-season here. Um so yeah, one from. Um, do you want to give all three? Or do you want me to give one here? Oh uh, yeah, I'll give. I'll give. Uh, okay. I'll go again. So I'm with you on that one. I agree there. Uh, I'm gonna go Detroit Lions. Okay. Uh, Hutch fell in their lap. Uh, automatic leader. Maybe maybe one of their best. The, the, maybe their best defensive player right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and then to get Jamie, Jameson Williams at 12. You mentioned it before in the recap. Um, they're not gonna go. They're not going to go eleven and six this year. They're just not. No. So whatever he gives you, back half of the year with a Monroe St. Brown, last year's draft pick, who was a very good player, winner. Yeah. Um, Goff's good enough. They got Hawkinson now at tight end. They got Swift at running back. Now you're putting some playmakers around that team now. Yeah. And and it looks like everyone loves playing for Campbell. So that only could go up and up and up. Yeah. The weird, so, the funny thing is that like Campbell was the one question mark. It was like, is he gonna? <laughs> is he really a head coach? And while you know there are some things that are a little odd, clearly they love playing for him, which is the most important thing when it comes to your head coach. Like they, your players have to have faith in the and coach, like, and they clearly do. And what I like more importantly is Brad Holmes, the GM, has faith in him because he's making trades, he's putting some yeah. money into the thing, he's putting some smart decisions around it. And that's what you could ask for, man. You know? And as Detroit Lions fans, I would have uh, I would have some faith now in that GM because now this is two drafts yeah. in a row yeah. that he's put together either trades that have helped or draft picks that have that look like they're going to help have helped or look like they're going to help. Um, listen, we talk about this all the time. It comes down to whether or not you have your quarterback. They don't have a slouch, that's for sure. But I don't think he's. I don't think they look at him as their future, like five, ten year plan. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Obviously, that's a big issue. But boy, it's unusual. Detroit was one of those teams for just ever that would have one of those head scratching picks. And boy, they did a really good fucking job this year, I have to say. Yep. And it's been like yep. that for two years now. So And your third team? And they had, real quick, they have another they got another pass rusher in the third round to go across some Hutch, which is a great um Pascal, I think. Is oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it the kid from, uh, I wanted to say Baylor, but no, I don't think it is. I think it's Kentucky. Is it Kentucky? I think, yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Oh, my third conference team, player, think, by the way. I think you're going to agree on this one, too, my friend, is the Baltimore Ravens. They do it again for about the 14th year in a row. Yeah, it's just They insane. have a great draft. Kyle Hamilton falls in their lap at 14. Um, the Arizona Cardinals, um, Somehow, I don't know if there was tequila flowing early. They started Cinco de Mayo was last week. Um, they traded a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown, which is astonishing. Expensive. 
And then uh, you were asking me if I would trade number thirty-eight, a second-round pick from McLaurin. Right. I would. I would take McLaurin every day, including Sundays and holidays, over Hollywood Brown. So on Tuesdays, uh, off days, whatever you want. Over Hollywood Brown. Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, and then they take they turn that pick into Tyler Lindebaum, which is another goddamn steal. And uh, my boy David Ajabo sitting there in the second round. I think what pick 44, 45, yes. something we, like that. Yeah, goes to his old DC Mike McDonald and I, a Harbaugh brother, and he has no rush to get back yeah. on the field. They will support that and. When he when he's ready to go, dude, look out. John Harbaugh acknowledged in an interview on NFL Network that yes, uh, part of the reason that they took him was the defense coordinator's familiarity familiar familiarity <laughs> with him. Hello, I just started drinking, so it's not that yet. Uh, his familiarity with him as a leader, as a hard worker, the belief that he has in him. And I, I texted you at the time, like, I'm happy for the kid because what yeah. happened to him was fucked up. It totally sucks. You're just trying to sell yourself as a player to maybe move up a couple spots. He was a first rounder regardless and then blows the Achilles and drops. So what was it? Would it end up being second or third? I think 44, 45. Yeah, just, second round, it just second sucks. Round. Yeah, it just sucks. So I'm, ha- I'm happy for him. And he ended up going to a great organization. So he's probably going to end up loving it. And like you said, he'll be there with his D coordinator from Michigan. Um, so I, I'm I'm in lockstep with you on all of those. The Ravens were one of mine as well, so I won't get any more into it. You nailed that uh, perfectly. What I'm about to say is going to sound like I'm off, I'm giving home hand jobs out, but it is what it is, and I don't I I, I don't care because I never get to say this. Uh, uh, number one, I think the Jets. I think the Jets, in all honesty, this may have been the best draft. You know, it could potentially be, but as far as on paper, as far as on paper, this is the best draft they've had. As much as I can remember. And there's been some decent ones with the, the the Chad Pennington one that turned out pretty good. But let's not pretend like Chad Pennington ended up being a Hall of Famer or something like that. He was very likable. People liked him. He was productive. But he was injured a lot, too. And there's a reason, you know, they didn't win a shit ton of games with him. Uh, I wish he would have stayed healthy, but he didn't. And so, you know, we look at that and you say, well, was it a good pick? Probably, but it didn't end up panning out so great. And, and, and time will tell, of course, with this one. But to get Sauce, you, you can look at this draft for the Jets, and there's an argument to be made that their first five picks were the best player at their position in the draft. So they got Sauce Gardner, who many argued was the best corner in the draft. They got um, uh, Garrett, Wilson. Garrett Wilson at number 10, who some people argued was the best and, and most complete uh, wide receiver in the draft. Then they move up from the second. They move some picks and they jump back into the set into the first round and get Jermaine Johnson a third from Florida State, who some people thought was the most polished pass rusher in the draft. Okay, um, which was a big move. Now, interestingly, we find out afterwards. Joe Douglas said from pick thirteen on, they were on the phone with everybody trying to move up to take Johnson, and nobody would make a or they couldn't. You know, not nobody would make a deal, but they couldn't get couldn't get the yeah. right deal done. And still, somehow, he falls to twenty six. I had said many times there were rumors that the Jets were going to take him at 10 and then to get the same player at 26, unfriggin' believable. But it doesn't end there. They get into the second round, they move up, and they take the kid Brees Hall from Iowa State. Uh, it was just funny because right before the second round started, I was in the car and Mike had texted me. Mike Dean had texted me and said, wouldn't mind seeing Philadelphia pick up this kid Brees Hall. And I'm like, I hear the Jets are kind of interested just because I heard it in passing. Bada bing, bada boom, they move up. 
to to pick this kid, and most people recognize him as the best running back in this draft. It was either him or Ken, was his name Ken Kenny Walker or yeah Kenneth from, Walker, Kenneth Walker from uh, Michigan State. But, but a lot mo- more people thought Hall was better. Um, and then they get the 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 tight end from Ohio State, who some people, not everyone, but some people thought was the best overall tight end in the dra- in the draft, considering his pass catching ability and his blocking ability. Where the kid Doncich, Dancich, or whatever from UCLA, a lot of people thought he was a better receiver. Dirch, Dur- Dur- Dursich, whatever it is. Um, same with the kid from Colorado State. They're they're more pure receiving tight ends, whereas Iowa State kid too, right? Yeah. Whereas um, the kid from Ohio State was both. And he's a Long Island kid. <coughs> he's a Long Island kid, so it's an even better fit. He grew up a Jets fan, so it's it's also a cool story. Well, you know what's interesting about him too is like you don't know a lot about him during game time because he had so many goddamn weapons. He didn't get a lot of balls. I know, I know. <laughs> but he was productive considering exactly what you're talking about, which is which is saying something. So to me, the Jets that's that's as good a draft as you could have had. One thing we talked about before this draft is if they do some of these, they ended up getting. PFF's most highly rated guard, uh, highly rated lineman in 2021. They got him Max something or other from like uh, I don't know fucking Louisiana or something like that. Add depth to the line of scrimmage, and they ended up getting another pass rusher for Texas A&M in the fourth round who dropped that far. Some people had him with a, a first round grade, but he had some character issues. Got arrested for some. I'm gonna be honest with you on this one for some non Jets like non Joe Douglas like things. Drug possession, uh, the, uh, not, uh, I don't know if it was drug possession, gun possession, stuff like that. But then Open carry in Texas. Yeah, well, they're right. It should have been. <laughs> what's the problem here? You don't like my uh, AR-15? Um, but he, I think he ended up being a captain on a team by the end of the season. So that maybe that, you know. Yeah, persuaded qu- him. Qu- quelled yeah, their concerns. Him a chance. Yeah, yeah. The other team. No, I, I will let you. Yeah, just I will let you have your day there, buddy. I uh, well deserved. Uh, I agree with you on all fronts. I think those top five picks, along with Wilson and Vera Tucker and Carter's last year, are yeah. game changers. I think now you gotta listen. We can, you can't bitch anymore about not putting no. around this kid. No, no, that those excuses are gone. Uh, unless there's some massive injuries, and that does happen. Unless there's some massive injuries or mass of injuries, no, that those excuses are gone. We need to see you know real improvement. Not only was there improvement on the offensive line big time but there's improvement with weapons multiple tight ends receivers all over the freaking place and most of them are fast as shit like a Corey davis who's a big body like all healthy now no there's no more excuses i tell you barrios is gonna succeed from this too man absolutely like yeah no they all do the more weapons there are, the less likely anybody's going to get doubled. It helps Corey Davis, even though he's a little more of a possession receiver because he's a big body. Good. you know. Um, so I think this is a home run. And then you consider some of the other acquisitions they made in the offseason, bringing in Lakin Tomlinson at guard solidifies that. You already had Vera Tucker, like you just mentioned. They bring in the two tight ends. People forget the kid Whiteside or Whitehead from Tampa Bay, the safety who's a hard hitter they brought in, the cornerback C.J. Reed. C.J. Reed from Seattle, who's probably they, they probably have two legit starting corners now, which is friggin' unbelievable. Last year they couldn't find one, so there's been a lot of upgrades. Uh, the excuses. Listen, I'm not even saying they have to be a playoff team next year, but if they're anything less than like somewhere 500 ish, because you can't be 500 anymore right now, what would it be like? Uh, eight and nine, nine and eight. One of those two. Anything less than eight wins to me is is a is a loss of a season. That's bad. 
Um, we don't know what happened. I agree with you, actually. We don't know. This is all on paper right now, right? But as I look on paper, I think there's an argument to be made that they are now either the third or fighting for second best team in a division. Okay, because I think they're actually more complete than New England, and I'll get into them in a little bit. Um, and if depending on your feelings about Tua, th- you're, there's an argument to be made that you have a better quarterback than Miami, and that's the most important position on the field. So, and we'll see with New England too. I know Belichick's Belichick, but you know Belichick has been Belichick without Brady either. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see with that. And um, you know they we'll get into. I got a I got an opinion on them in a little bit. So. Yeah, uh, my second team was the Broncos. I just think they, oh. ha- yeah, ha- I have to say it. I mean, you, you can wow. you can look at the acquisition of Russell Wilson. Not only that, they filled multi- two, at least two needs that I'm aware of on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, was it they get a defensive end, a rush end? Yep. What else? Did they, get? State. Uh, they got tight end. They got your boy from UCLA. They got the tight end. That was the other thing. Like no, they lose Noah Fant in the trade, and what do they do? They replace him with probably the best receiving tight end in the draft. Uh, I, and, then, and, and they traded back twice too to like yeah. So get, I thought between the draft and the acquisition of Russell Wilson, what and it, don't forget Randy Gregory too. Yes, if you're gonna count. You're gonna yeah, no, 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 of course. That's what I'm yeah, saying. I'm talking yeah. about the whole off season. Yeah, you filled. There were costs for Russell Wilson, and you replaced those costs in the draft yeah. or in other acquisitions. So it's almost like a net neutral, and you got Russell Wilson. Like and it's I crazy. I tell you who who has to like really wake up now is Bradley Chubb. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're unnoticed now, pal. Well, this is just what happens, right? Absolutely, this is what happens. Like when when teams become complete, then there's no more excuses. And this goes for Russell Wilson too. We we know and we think how great he is. There's an argument to be made. He's the third best quarterback in this division right now. He's older, and those guys are younger and and arguably better. So. You don't get to make excuses. You got a good offensive line. You got a running game. You got a defense. You got a head coach, an offensive head coach. No more excuses for Russell Wilson either. You don't get yep. to say we don't have weapons. We don't have an offensive line. bullshit. I agree. So you got to go perform and beat the best of the best now. Which this is the be- assuming a healthy division. This is the best division in all of football right now. Oh, the, the fact you know I love uh, Derek Carr and. I recognize completely that he's the fourth best quarterback in this division, which is freaking crazy. And they upgraded. They upgraded this offseason and had a pretty good draft themselves, even though they weren't one of my winners. So Jets, for me, it was Jets, Broncos, Ravens. I don't know if you wanted to say anything else about the about the Broncos. Nope. No, I'm okay. good, man. I let you. Uh, it's nice to hear you uh, put both of our teams in there. That's nice of you. I know it sounds like a home job, but the reality is, you know, th- those to me stood out more than others. And there was a lot what of good was- ones, frankly. One more team I just want to throw in and acknowledge, and you mentioned the AFC West. I got the Chiefs in there, dude. They went defensive heavy. They got Karlakis at, what, 30 or something like that. They got wide receivers Steel. with Sky Moore. And then they got they got Pacheco from Rutgers. And as a Big Ten guy, watching a lot of their games, he's a perfect Chief. He could do a lot of different things, put him yeah. in a slot, put him at running back. I, I, Andy Reid and those guys. Smart just, leadership. Uh, Andy uh, Reid yeah. has been one of the best yeah. drafting coaches in this in the NFL for decades now, so that's not surprising to me. You know, you're paying your quarterback a lot now, so you're not going to have a bazillion weapons all over the field, which is why they allowed Tyreek Hill to to move on. But you know, you get a Sky Moore, and you're like, not, I'm not trying to say he's Tyreek Hill, but he replaces. He's that same kind of player. Little scat fast little fucker that is a pain in the balls that you're trying to chase all over the field. So um, they did a great job. They, you're absolutely right. They had a really good offseason. 
Uh, I'll start with the losers here since you, ahead, you went with the winners first. I think, number one, I thought the Bears uh, didn't do themselves any favors. <laughs> and listen, I, I get it. You got a you got a defensive head coach, and that's fine. But, dude, I think they had eight picks or ten, nine picks, and seven out of the nine were defensive players. I don't think any of them were wide receivers. I don't know that any of them were offensive linemen. So, like, you had one of the worst offensive lines and nobody to throw to, and you have a second-year quarterback. I, how the hell – I don't – like Justin Fields, but you have him, and you should find a way. How do you evaluate a Justin Fields when there's shit on that side of the football? I just don't get it. So I have them written down as well, buddy, and I wrote down they have no first-round pick because they took Fields, and we don't know about Fields. That's what I'm saying. And you don't put anything around him. You have surrounded him with nothing. nothing. You've made no off-season moves of no that would be like, oh, yeah, now he's got this. You actually got rid of Khalil Mack. Fine, I have no problem with that per se. Um, but you would you think you would Al take Robinson that. Walks out the, yeah, Al Robinson walks out the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So I thought this was a total loss. Now listen, I'm not. Maybe these, uh, maybe the kids that they drafted on the defensive side of ball are gonna be fantastic. I don't. I'm not saying that. Maybe they're okay, great. great. They, they, they were great choices. Six ten. What the fuck? But like, you have a kid friends. on your team. Who three years from now you're gonna have to make a decision of whether or not to give him half half you know fifty million dollars a year, oh, and you don't have any way of honestly evaluating him, so they're gonna be in a situation similar to the Giants two years from now when you're yeah. drafting linemen and you're drafting receivers because you're like shit this kid is an elite athlete with a cannon for an arm but we have no fucking idea if he's capable of being a quarterback in this league so we have to now we gotta rush we gotta rush 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 get some linemen get some receivers it's too late dude it's too late. It's too late. So I thought that was just strange. Strange. Agree more. Strange. Um, I kind of alluded to this a little bit previously, but I thought New England was just weird. Uh, speaking yeah. of strange, they took a kid named Strange in the first round who most people had graded out as a third-round pick. But So even if you like the kid, and that's what you got your heart set on this offensive lineman from what? Tulsa or, or Chattanooga? Chattanooga, whatever. Or, or Northern Iowa. Which one was what? Well, what the fuck ever. Was, like, the yeah. fact that we don't even know where he's from and you're taking him in the first round, just then trade back. You do it all the time. Why are you taking a kid? It was funny because, uh, I don't know if you saw this, McVay and uh, whoever the GM is for the Rams. Les Sneed. Les Sneed. They were in the middle of being interviewed, and the pick came off the board that the that New England took this kid with, like, the what, the 22nd? pick or something like that yeah something like that and they were like holy shit they started laughing like holy shit we were hoping to maybe get this kid at 104 because that was like their first pick you know was was all the way back at 104 because of all the trades they've made so you know you got the rams thinking maybe they can get him at 104 and you take him in the in the mid to low 20s you get no you, you basically took no receivers of any real note you took the kid out of Tennessee in the second round, but he's basically a straight line, inline receiver, deep threat, and you got a quarterback that can't throw the ball more than forty-five yards. So that doesn't even make a whole <laughs> lot of sense. And I like Mac Jones, but that's just who he is. Um, so it just was an odd draft to me. I don't get it. And in all honesty, you can say what you want about Bill Belichick, and he often drafts really well on the defensive side of the ball, but but outside of offensive line, on the offensive side of the ball, he's kind of shitty at it. I mean, it just is what it is. You look at his selections of wide receivers, tight end. Like, it just doesn't have the best draft on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't think they did Mac Jones any favors. And I really do believe if Zach Wilson is the quarterback that I think he can be, I think there's an argument to be made that the Jets are just have, have surpassed New England. 
I certainly think they have talent-wise, but we'll see because Belichick is still maybe the best game day coach there is, regardless of his drafting skills. So we'll see about that. But I think they took a step back, and it's while the rest of the the entire rest of the division, Miami got better, Jets got better, New England, I mean uh, Buffalo got better. I don't know. I don't know that New England got better. I think they, there's an argument to made they got worse. They lost Shaq Lawson as, as one of their law, offensive linemen. So it was just strange to me. And then finally, for me, I thought the Cowboys had a, a terrible offseason and not a and not a very good draft. Um, you lose a wide receiver, you end up trading him to uh, who, who the hell they trade? That would be Mister Amari Cooper. Amari to Cooper Cleveland goes Browns? to Cleveland, and what they get for him? Like a fucking fifth round pick. Like they got shit for him. Yeah, trash. Uh, and you end up getting a guard with the first pick. Maybe that's a pick of need. I just, I don't know. I think. And when, when can we uh, when can we push Jerry Jones off the pasture? Dude, here? This you, is, this you is... literally took the words out of my mouth. I think Jerry Jones needs to. I was just about to say it, and you beat me. <laughs> I was about to take a Sorry. sip, and you fucking said it. No, no, I'm glad you're going to say because it's clearly what we're both thinking here. Oh my god! Um, you got to give up the reins, dude, because it's you know he's too that... loyal. He's too loyal to some players for too long. Which yeah, you got to let you know the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing. That contract was a fucking disaster. Any GM would have told you let him walk. Any fucking GM would have told you let him and walk. And I bet you was and I bet you Steven probably did, but he doesn't listen to him at all. He, we can do, yeah, we can do. Um, so to me, those are the three. And then and then his ego gets in the way when it shows the draft board, like oh, to prove that I took the right guy. Jerry, nobody cares. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's just bizarre. Wasn't a good draft for them. Uh, and I think they may actually have become the second best team in that division now. Uh, I think Philadelphia, with some of the moves they made, depending on Jalen Hurts, we'll see what Jalen Hurts is capable of. But I think they have made. I think they have taken a step back, and Jerry's one step closer to the grave, as are the rest of us. But hopefully, most of us are a little further away than he is. So, uh, I have the Patriots and Bears as well. Not much to add. I, I chimed in with the Bears a little bit. Patriots, you hit it right on the head. Um, my third team, I got the Texans. You didn't like theirs. The Stingley pick of three to me is very curious. I thought it was a reach. I agree totally. I thought it was a reach. It was one of those things where, like, I think you may, you might, you might have been able to get him with your 15th pick or 13th pick. I totally agree. Yes. Um, or even if you felt like you needed to move up to to, to 11 or 12, those were available, obviously, because those got traded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are Davis Mills fans. However, they did not draft a quarterback in this draft, which yeah. I thought was curious. Do they even have a backup right now? I don't know, dude. Is he like the only quarterback? I'm sure he's not. They have, they but... have, they have, to, have, they have to have somebody. Um, they got a lineman, but maybe the wrong one. You mentioned uh, Kenyon Green from AM. I, I thought there were other guys out there. Uh, I, I, very and listen, we're no Lovey Smith fans here. Well, that's but, the other part of it. If you consider the entire entirety of the yeah. offseason, the fact that the I'm sorry, I, I, I'm he looks like one of the nicest men you'll ever meet in your life too. He just looks like a really nice man. Um, because he's very soft spoken. If you've ever seen him, he's very soft spoken. Just a nice guy. He's very Tony Dungy like, which is the tree that he yeah. came from. So it makes yeah. sense. But his track record is kind of spotty at best. I think I'm being kind by calling it spotty. His time in Illinois was Ugly. no bueno. So I, I question that pick, uh, you know, the pick of the head coach. But you're right about some of the picks. It's not that they were bad, but it was like, is that the best you could have done there? Right. You know what I mean? Like right. some people, yep. a lot of people yep. like Stingley, but did you need to take him there? And maybe some people like that lineman, but did you need to take him there? Like, exactly. You know, that's that was yeah. 
And like you said, no quarterback. You don't. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. Know, I don't know if they got turned off by other quarterbacks dropping. But if you like somebody, snag them. Like, what's the worst you could, like? Yeah. You, it looks like you got lucky with still uh, Mills last year in the second, <laughs> third round. Maybe you do it again. I don't yeah. know. Like. Absolutely. Well. And and you know, do you have that? Is that your wrap on that? That's my wrap. I just have a couple things on the draft I want to throw in. Um, players yeah. dropping. Yeah. Uh, Malik Willis, what the hell happened there? You got to be honest with you, dude. I kind of called this a little bit. Um, I Listen, it's quarterback. It's just sexy as fuck to talk about quarterbacks. It just is what it is. So we just assume if this was last year, if this draft, mm-hmm. if these quarterbacks were in last year's draft, I don't, I don't even know if Kenny Pickett would have gone in the first round. So like what, at what round did Malik Willis end up going in the second? Or he went in the third round, right? Third round to the Titans. If this was if he was in last year's draft, I think he goes in the third round. I don't think I think in the third round at best last year. Agreed. So I don't know that it's that unusual. I actually think it's correct. It's just unusual because quarterbacks I, usually I think, go, <laughs> you know, usually there's always reaching on quarterbacks. I think it's correct. However, his agent and NFL rumors did him no favors. Well, it's television did him no favors because it was like everybody was jerking off about Malik Willis. I think we were the only ones that were being kind of honest. And, you know, I will give some shit here now just because you brought this up. I'll give some shit to uh, what the hell's his name argument. And he still hates Zach Wilson. But his argument has been Zach Wilson is undersized. Well, Malik Willis is smaller than Zach Wilson. Okay, so that's dumb. Even though, so he's one of those that has been jerking off uh, over Malik Willis. He said maybe as high as number six to Carolina. Um, he, one of his his next argument against Zach Wilson was that he plays in a shit conference. Well, dude, no, is it any? Is it worse than Liberty? Like, give me a break. And then his third argument against Zach Wilson was anytime he came up against better competition. He didn't perform as well. Well, I, I hate to break it to you, but Zach Wilson actually threw touchdowns against Washington. He threw touchdown passes again. Even when they lost, he threw touchdown passes, and his numbers were actually okay. They weren't as good, but they were still pretty good. Malik Willis, when he played anybody of real of any real team, he threw zero touchdown passes, and his completion percentage went down into the 50s. So, like, at least, all I'm saying is be consistent about when you see something like if he's if a, if undersized you don't like undersized guys then you can't like him either because he's undersized. If you don't like the small conference guys then you can't like him either because he plays he's basically one double A. Mm-hmm. And if when they play better competition you're grading on that, well then you got to give him an F because he sucked when they played against you know middling SEC teams. So you got to be consistent and nobody was when it was this kid. What happens is we see somebody he looks like genuinely a sweetheart of a kid. And Hugh Freeze came on it and just glowingly, you know, spoke about him so highly. I have no reason to think that he's not exactly what everybody says he is. But you just got to be honest about what you see, what you see in the film. You can't just go like, well, he's really fast and has a strong arm. Guess what? Randy Moss is really fast and has a fucking strong arm, too. Randy Moss used to be able to throw the ball like 70 yards through the air. Like, what does that fucking matter, dude? If you remember back to last year when we were talking about this, we looked at the two guys to me that showed, well, really three of them. It was Mac Jones, it was Zach Wilson, and it was Trevor Lawrence. And I said, what you're looking for, they all can throw. Justin Fields can throw. The kid from Northern State, he could throw. Do you see anticipation and do you see guys throwing into small windows? Because that's the NFL. You have to be able to make quick decisions and you have to be able to throw to guys that to me and you, they don't look open. 
But in the NFL, that's open. Six inches is open. Like one step is open. Not buck-ass open Chris Olave's down the field with nobody within 10 yards of him, dude. That's not <laughs> impressive. I'm 48 years old and can barely throw the ball down the street, but I can do that. Like that doesn't impress me. So, you know, that's what we saw with Malik, Malik Willis. The incredible physical traits. But if you really watch the film, you'll see there, you, you'll see, you would have easily seen that there are some things lacking there. And, and it doesn't mean you can't take him and it doesn't mean you can't get those things. But you're just not going to do it with, with, the, with an early pick. There's just, especially with your, if you're a top 10 picking team, you're bad. That means you have multiple positions you need to fill, a la the Jets. One more, one more thing, and then uh, we can move on to something else. Um, I want to acknowledge that I lost my first round bet to you with a running back. Yes. However, I feel like the running backs that did get drafted ended up in good spots. Um, Paul to your Jets. Love that pick. Oh, Kenneth God. Walker to the Seahawks. They have a lot of issues, but I think getting a good running back there is not too bad. I was going to say it's a good fit for him because they like to run the football, and he's a thick, Correct. physical running back. Perfect fit for him and for them. Uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, James Cook, went to the Bills, which position need for them, which is what I thought they were going to hit on in the you first did. round. Which you I, did. I would have won my bet there. Yep. Uh, my boy Hassan Askins to the Titans, a good backup for Derrick Henry. A what round was that in? Type of mold. Fourth. Nice. Okay. Yeah, fits their mold, so they don't have to like change their whole style when Henry goes down. Uh, and Brian Robinson from Alabama, who I like a lot, I think is very underrated, went to the Washington Commanders. Yeah. I believe in the fourth round as well. Nice. So. Yeah, to me, the story of the draft was like just the idea of how far – almost all the quarterbacks dro dropped. Well, frankly, you could say all. Oh, the fact that we didn't have a quarterback picked in this draft until number 20 is pretty unbelievable. There, there wasn't another one picked in the first round. And you guys got, got guys like Sam Howell that didn't go until fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Like, whoa. Like, if you would, if the draft would have taken place in September, he would have been the first he would have been the first quarterback taken. Well, they show the they show the top five picks at the end of last year's college football season. Yeah. It was like Stingley, Howell, Ah, uh, Spencer Rattler, like, dude. Right, Spencer Rattler, like, he was going to be the number one pick overall. Like, the guy had, had a transfer to, like, where did he end up transferring? South Carolina or something? South Carolina, yeah. yeah. Like, holy shit, man, things change. And it is interesting, right? So, but that to me was amazing. It was just one of those rare years. Number one, a lot of those top ten teams weren't really, like, desperate for a quarterback. They might need one, like, Carolina needs one, Seattle maybe needs one, although they seem to be willing to run with Drew Locke. I don't know if that's true or not, whatever. So there wasn't the desperation for it. And then just the reality was these guys are just not on the same level as a Trevor Lawrence or, uh, even frankly, even a Mac Jones, like that kind of level, which you see with the production and all that kind of stuff. So right. I thought Kenny Pickett was the best quarterback in this draft by far. It panned out that way. Um, but uh, but it was interesting to see him drop that. It's funny, man. Once they dropped, it was like and the quarterbacks were like an afterthought. To think yep. that a guy like Sam Howell, who, like you just said, might have been first or second pick in the beginning of the year, not make it to the fifth friggin' round. That's be amazing. Be honest with me. When people were trading like crazy into the first round, did you think almost everyone was going to be a quarterback? Here we go. Yeah, I was thinking, here we go. Here we go. Here it comes. Lions, Saints. Yeah. yeah. And, and, well, oh, that's what it, it was. Who it was, too. It was like, oh, here yeah. it is. Here comes Malik Falcons. Willis. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what's going on? Here comes a pick. And nope. And and if you listen, if you're watching like on ESPN or NFL Network, they were calling it, too. Like, oh, here it. Uh, this is where uh, New Orleans moving up. Oh, this is a perfect spot for Malik Willis. Like, mm, yeah. nope. Defensive. Philadelphia. Or, a defensive tackle. <laughs> so I was like, okay, no. yeah. So it was fascinating, but it was. Oh, but that's what made it fun too. Yeah, made it really fun because it was not your typical. It wasn't your typical star-driven draft. So like, 
it really was interesting to see what was going to go down. You want to hit NBA or Jordan Addison first? I had a couple things that I wanted to pick. I, I forgot to, uh, to, to get on. I wanted to get on, get your thought on something. Let's do the Jordan Addison thing first. Why don't you explain to everybody what's, who he is and what's going on there? So Jordan Addison. Speaking of Kenny best, Pickett. yeah, He was the best college football wide receiver last year. He won the Fred Belitnikoff Award. Pittsburgh University. He had no intentions of transferring. Until... USC picked up the phone and said, hey, you interested? We'll give you a house. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. At the same university that Reggie Bush lost his Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. and National Championship for about 15 years ago, maybe a little more than that now, because uh, none of this was legal then. Now it is a fucking free-for-all, and we hit this about every other week, and it's yep. getting worse and worse and worse. Um, this is terrible for college football. Um, the kid's comfortable where he was. I think Pitt brought in a transfer quarterback. I'm not saying he's as good as Kenny Pickup, but he's going to be pretty good. Um, I can't think of the kid off the top of my head, unfortunately. It's okay. Um, and today, uh, or yesterday, they finally, the NCAA finally comes out and goes, we need to uh, adjust this a little bit. Oh, you no think? <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yeah, what um, bothers me about this is just what you said. He, You know, we don't really know. I mean, you lose Kenny Pickett, and a guy like him might say, I need to get the fuck out of here. Cause Let's do it. It's May. What the problem I have with it is it's what you why he's choosing and he I don't think he chose USC yet, right? I think actually Texas I, I, it's probably gonna be Alabama now. Oh, I thought Texas was the leader in the clubhouse here with uh um, Nope, Saban came calling, forget it, it's over. So what I don't like about it is it's it's buying players. Now if a kid decides to transfer because he's not getting playing time or if he wanted a transfer because his his all American quarterback left and now he's he doesn't want to yes. he doesn't want his senior season or junior season to be playing with a, a fresh an incoming you know freshman or something like that. I get it, but then it, that decision should be based. You would like to think that that decision is based on just simply what's the best fit for him and the best place to go. Um, this is exactly the problem with NIL, which is the bigger schools can just steal players good players from the smaller schools. A Jordan Addison at Pittsburgh is a major draw for them. He's a recruiting tool for them. Maybe you can draw in one of the better quarterback recruits because you, you get an, an opportunity to work with a Jordan Addison. And right. that is now gone. And that is not it, – it's not just not fair. It's beyond not fair. It's not good for the sport. And it's not even like – you can't even say like the NFL or even when we – we kind of knew that players were getting, you know, heavy handshakes and stuff like that. Those those peanuts, they weren't getting one point five million dollars handshakes. Okay, it's fifty bucks. Maybe. They're getting a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. You know, any money. They're getting like titty bar money. Now they're getting like <laughs> life changing money. You know BMW what I'm saying? Money. Yeah, not like you said, getting <laughs> homes. Like really? Now we're giving kids homes to come to yeah. your school. Like, and it's just not good for the sport. And again, I don't necessarily. First of all, I don't have the answer because you've opened this Pandora's box. I don't know yeah, how you close it. I heard somebody say, "Well, there should be like a salary cap kind of thing." In the NFL, there's no salary cap on what you can make off the field. I can't. You can't tell me like if Campbell's wants to give me seventy-seven million dollars that oh, it's just too much. You can't do that. There needs to. What there probably needs to be. And this is going to be the best you're going to get. There probably needs to be some kind of a cap, number one, on when you can transfer. 
yeah. then pr- and probably your best bet is to this is to make a, a a rule on how often you can transfer. So there really probably should only be able to transfer once, like uh, once in a four year period. And I would still keep it open for grad for undergrads. Yeah, grad like if you graduate but you still have eligibility left and you want to transfer, I think that should be different. Um, you should be al- you should be allowed to do that because you've graduated from the school. That should be rewarded. The fact that you stayed for however long it took for you to graduate and yeah. did that that should be rewarded. So if you want to move on, that's fine. Or you should be able to stay there if you want. That's fine. Um, but for all of those and Cowherd and stupid Joy Taylor who doesn't Joy Taylor gets to talk because her brother played in the NFL. Okay, so if your brother uh, Jason Taylor. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So she knows football because her brother played in the NFL, and I'm going to perform surgery next week because my sister is a doctor. That makes sense too, right? Don't you? you that makes sense, right? I'll be performing brain surgery on Scotty because my cousin uh, removes warts. You read a, a book once. Like fuck! What the <laughs> hell? Oh, everybody's up in arms. Everybody's so. The only way things change is because people get up in arms asshole like duh people need to get pissed or else things just stay the same like what a retarded thing to say oh you can't say retarded anymore i said retarded take i'm not taking it back so (laughs) this is a problem and now now pittsburgh is screwed where they wouldn't have had to worry about this and it's just not good for the sport and narduzzi has every right to be pissed off here you can't just pick up a phone and start recruiting my guys. Like, what is going well, on? Well, so uh, what I was, what I thought about when you said that was it USC that called, or was it like, you know, rumor uh, has it USC called the That's actual like I, school coach AD like coach Lincoln Riley, I think. Called. Oh, that is just yeah, it's bad. You it's, can't it's even like, do that in the NFL. They call that it's tampering. Dirty. It's dirty. It's man. fucking it's tampering. Like, you can't call yeah. like. <laughs> I'm trying to think like Robert Sala can't call like uh, Debo Samuel Jonathan right now Taylor, and be yeah, like, why don't yeah. you come on over, dude? Like, yeah. you know, that's just crazy. So that's ugly to me. I don't necessarily have in concept because I'm a free market capitalist. I don't have a problem necessarily with NIL, but they need to do something with this combination of NIL and transfer portal because, um, and and frankly, the kids coming out. I don't know how. I, I genuinely don't have an answer. I don't have an answer because now that you've opened this up, I don't know how you undo this. I don't know how you put a cap on it. If I can get money from a car dealership, who are you to tell me how much I can get? I, I just right. it, it seems so illegal. Like that. If if I can get the money, then you don't get to tell me how much. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I just think it's very ugly, and I don't have a good answer for it. I do have a good answer, I think, for the transfer portal, but we'll get into that. They've allowed this to happen, and uh, they're going to have to reap the whirlwind on that, so deal with it. Not my fucking problem. I just know a lot of people are pissed, and and frankly, coaches are pissed. Listen, there's an argument to be made that part of the reason Coach K is not coaching at Duke anymore because he's... Looks healthy as can be. Part of the reason that Jay Wright isn't coaching at Villanova. Part of the reason you see coaches dropping in college football and college basketball is because of NIL and transfer. So you can say, well, it's, it's best for the players. It's not just the players that are there. There are schools that are involved. There's other players who are not worthy of being NIL players. They're there too. You know. There's a there's a lot of people that get affected and it's not great and it's they certainly don't have a handle on it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the guy who is the head of the NCAA is retiring. Yep. 
and hopefully, hopefully somebody that they bring in can can get a handle on this. I don't know. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up to you was uh, did you see the thing with like Ryan Tannehill and how he's getting yeah. kind of hammered? So Tannehill was asked like, "Are you going to mentor Malik Willis?" And he's like, "Well, uh, no, not really." Like he's like, "I hope we can be close and." If he can learn from watching me do what I do, but no, I don't think it's my job, you know, to mentor him. And I happen to agree with him 100%. And this is not a Malik Willis or Tannehill thing. I don't think it's Brett Favre's job to to, to uh, mentor Aaron Rodgers. I forget there was a, a recently a quarterback who said something similar a couple years ago that was like such a big deal. I don't remember who it was, but like I don't listen. If you're a wide receiver and you and your team drafts a rookie wide receiver. I kind of think like yeah maybe you take you know I remember Chris Carter when when um they yeah, when, Moss. when they got yeah. Moss he took him under why but you can do that because there's multiple wide receivers on the field at the same time and even if he's in your spot you're swapping time like you don't you know wide receivers don't play every single play there's one quarterback that's it he doesn't we don't rotate him in and out we don't you know there's one guy I'm not mentoring the guy who's taken my place like I'm sorry call me crazy like until I'm done I'm not mentoring anybody. My job, how many times have I said to you, like, I'm not going to bash anybody who makes it to the NBA or makes it to the NFL because you, it's so fucking hard. It is yeah. so hard. So now my job not only is to be ready to play on Sunday but also get this kid ready to take my place. I don't think so, dude. It's hard enough. My job as a quarterback or any other position is to um, – is to get myself ready to do what I got to do to win football games. And that's it. You know what I mean? Now, does that mean I would hope at the same time, like Tannehill has humanity, where if the kid asks him a question, he's going to answer the question. Yeah, I don't, I don't and think I would assume what, he would. Yeah, I don't think that's what he meant. With it. I totally, not at all. Yeah, 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 totally agree. So, you know, um, and frankly, I, uh, Mike Tomlin came on, was it today or yesterday with Dan Patrick? Oh, shit. I didn't, I didn't hear him on Dan Patrick today. Then it must have been yesterday. It was probably yesterday. It was either Dan Patrick or uh, who comes on after him. Oh, Richie Eisen. Rich yeah. Eisen. And he said, I happen to agree with him. He said, that's why we have lots of offensive coordinators. That's why we have quarterback coaches. That's why we have assistant quarterback coaches. That's their yep. job. He said, now I suspect Tannehill as a good person would answer any questions or you know would be kind and a good human being. But no, it's not his job to mentor, you know, somebody who's going to take his place. Yeah, Mark Sanchez was on DP today, and he was saying he's in a tough spot. He's like, I was there, I was in both roles, in college and pros. I get it both. Yeah. He goes, what's he going to say? He's an asshole if he doesn't. Every like, so. Right. Oh, I know who it was. It was Joe Flacco. When oh. when, when uh, Lamar Jackson came in the league, he's like, that's not my fucking job. I'm trying yeah. to keep my job. And guess what? Joe Flacco lost his job to, to Lamar Jackson. Do you feel better about that? Does he feel better about that? No. But at least I, at least I mentored Lamar Jackson. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. I just lost millions of dollars. Like, no. Yeah. My family and me and my family come first, man. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm sorry. So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting because I think Tannehill caught a little bit of shit. I at least believe there was enough people that were like, hold he, the phone. But he, but, he, but he caught shit from people I never played the game either. Like, of course it is. And it was, yeah. Florio was one of them. Of course, Florio. Oh, shocker. Dude, I love, by the way, I love that uh, uh, the Peacock app and pro channel thing is included with Comcast because I have Comcast. Because now I watch 
I watch those morons in the morning and then DP and then uh, what's his face after <laughs> Rich that? Eisen. Rich Eisen after that. And I just sit there and just yell at the screen because Florio, he, he, you you nailed it with the with the quote that he met, said about the draft. Like they should, he should just be fired. How do you talk like this about the NFL when you basically work for the NFL? You talk about the NFL every day, but you basically hate Fine. the NFL. I don't. Yeah, your hatred for the NFL is bizarre. What he is is he's like a hundred. He's one hundred percent in a corner of the players, and I don't necessarily have a problem supporting players. There is no league without fans, and that I think I know that's where I come from. I think that's also the angle that you tend to think. What's best for the fans? And sometimes what's best for yeah, the fans is what's best for the team. You're talking to a guy that throws a lot of money in tickets for games, so yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. so I always call what's best for the fan, and sometimes that means the coach has more control, or the you know the 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 ownership has more control and the players have less control. Look at the NBA. The NBA is a disaster because it's one hundred almost one hundred percent controlled by players, and that's a problem. So yep. Um, anyway, it was good to see you know some people at least understand. Like, dude, I mean, Cowherd to his credit even said like he took Nick Wright under his arm because Nick Wright wasn't a threat to him. He's like, I'm trying to make Fox Sports talk better. You know, Nick Wright will come on before me, come on after me, but he's not replacing me. He said, if there was one spot in all of Fox Sports for talk, you know, for talk show host, he's like, I'm not grooming anybody. Like, this is my job, buddy. You can wait in, you can wait in the back of the line. I'm not, yeah. I'm not handing over, I'm not teaching you how to replace me. So, well, that's, that's what Francesca's thing always was. I'm not helping anyone in this business. Thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, unless it's the guy, in, unless it's the guy in the morning show, like then you help that guy. Uh, you know, I'll give that guy a hand because you're not, you're not taking my job. So, I mean, you got to take it into consideration. Think about it, your job. You know, anybody that's listening at your job, you, you, you're gonna put, you're gonna teach the guy who's gonna put you on the street. I don't think so. That's not brilliant. <laughs> so, you know, it sounds like, oh, I should help the young kid. He should help the young kid. What? Not get him another contract for a hundred and something million dollars? Like, mm, I'm gonna try to keep my job. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna be a dick, but I'm not helping you either. So. All right, NBA playoffs. You seemed quite eager. It's something well, on your mind that I'm interested to see. You kind of well, alluded to me. I, I might not like what you got to say. I don't know. What, I don't know what you're gonna think here. So the last two weeks, I have been very complimentative of the NBA playoffs. These last couple of days, I have not enjoyed it, and I know there's a lot going on. And beads banged up for the Sixers. Yeah. Uh, the Celtics have a couple guys banged up. The Bucks have a guy banged up. Phoenix. Um, Although the Mavericks. They're blowing out. They're blowing out the Mavericks. So Ma- Luka Doncic's fantastic, but it's a one-man show. It seems like. Um, and the series that you probably want to hit on, um, the one series that's been good and competitive is the Grizzlies Warriors, which is yeah. a very good even matchup. Physical too, which I like. Physical. Um, so the other th- listen, the other series might pick up. They might not, and it'll get better. Listen, first round was great. This might be a little lull, and then the championship game and the championship will be great. Yeah, probably. But right now, it's a little bit. It lost a little thunder for me. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. I totally agree with you in a sense that, like, I don't want to make excuses for injuries, but it has taken away. Look, Embiid is arguably yeah. the league MVP. Some people thought he should have been. I don't know. Did Jokic end up getting it? Or I don't think they announced. They didn't it announce it I think yet. That's, I think that's what they're leaning. A right? lot of people think or, or, or Embiid, the Greek freak. and he's out, and it just sucks. Yeah. And, you know, um, it, it, when you got 
important guys that are out of the game. Like you said, the, the dude from Milwaukee Middleton is out. He's important. They won a championship last year. He was a big reason why. He was a very clutch shooter, and now he's not in the game. Now, they're doing okay without him, frankly, but you don't want that. You want to you wanna see the best playing against the best. Like This is why we wait all through the bullshit regular season, which sucks ass. For the for the playoffs, and it has been better. It had like I had people coming up to me like, "Wow, dude, NBA basketball is really like I don't know what they did." Well, I'm, I'm like, it's called the fucking playoffs. Like it matters now. It's not you know bullshit regular season games. But I agree with you. These injuries have taken away a little bit from from the overall picture. Like I just I don't like to be left thinking like, "Yeah, but what if?" Right. You know. Now, if you're a Sixers fan, like if if James Harden was picking it up and scoring back to being the guy who's able to score, you know, in the mid 30s in games, then maybe that would make up for it. The guy's basically averaging like 17, 18 points a game, which is like it's like a shell of himself. It's he's not there. So yeah, I get what you're saying, um, but I will acknowledge I, you started you started pointing it out for me. The the series between Golden State and Memphis has been interesting. It's only two games in, but it's been really interesting. It's kind of like old guard, new guard. Now, it's hard to believe that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and those guys are already considered old guard. But listen, they got <laughs> multiple championships and they're all in their – I would think – I think more or less they're all in their 30s now. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so it kind of is. There's that aspect of it, which is really fun. You got these young, up-and-coming, super energetic, athletic as fuck, you know, Memphis Grizzlies against the kind of, no pun intended, grizzled – you know, veteran shooters, and they've been there, and all this kind of stuff, and it's just fascinating. It reminds me, of like back in the day, watching like when, when we would watch like the Celtics in the late '80s. You weren't even born, I don't think. Celtics, I was born. okay, Celtics in the late '80s when they were kind of past their prime, or we didn't know it at the time, but we come to find out they're kind of past their prime. But they're still one of the better teams, and they're playing like the Pistons. They're and, smart, and they know how to play. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, okay, this team is young, aggressive, quick. And then this team is like smart, wise, experienced, and it's like, what are we looking? You know, who's gonna who's gonna end up taking it? That's what you're looking at here. The other angle, I I had to laugh. You know, in game one, Draymond Green gets a what are they fucking called? Flagrant foul two. Yeah, yeah, flagrant a, a flagrant two, which he ended up getting ejected for. Guy goes up for a layup. He smacks him in the face, and in midair, grabs the guy's jersey and pulls him down. Now he went to kind of catch the guy before he hits the ground, but. I don't know if you've ever been twisted and turned in midair. It's as helpless a feeling as there is. Yeah. So, so, so for anybody who wants to say, well, it wasn't that bad because he tried to catch him. What if he didn't? I mean, we've seen that play a million times where the guy gets grabbed in midair and he comes down and breaks his wrist because there's no other way for him to brace himself. And look who we're talking about here. Green's a little chippy. And he has he a history. He... So the oh, next no. night, the next, there was, I guess it was a night or two later, Brooks does a hard foul. On uh, Gary Payton, the second, the third, whatever the hell yeah. he is. Yeah. And the kid ends up breaking his elbow. And everybody's freaking out. Well, he broke his elbow. Oh, so if the night before, if the kid would have fallen and broke his wrist, then it's even? No. It's the idea of flagrant fouls. Okay? And the reason I, only reason I bring this up, I don't care. This shit happens. To me, this is like, I don't even think Brooks's was that bad. It actually looked like he went for the block and just didn't have the ups to get there. Now, he went hard, but so what? Like, that's the way you're supposed to. Don't let the guy get the basket. The reason, the only reason I bring it up is because Steve Kerr, this friggin' woke douche, high, you know, holier-than-thou asshole, and I'm tired of this fucker, too, 
comes out after the game and says, this is cheap. There's a code. I shit you not. This is what he said. Yeah, There's a code. It. You don't do it. this. We don't do. Dude, 48 hours ago, Draymond Green grabbed the guy by the jersey in midair after smacking him in the face and got kicked out of the game. And you're going to tell me this is not what you do? The fuck out of here. Who are you? Do you think we all like forgot what just happened? And I had some people on social media like, well, it's just different. No, it's not. Well, this guy broke his elbow. He didn't know that he was going to break his elbow. Brooks didn't know that he was the kid was going to break his elbow when he hit the ground. And Draymond Green didn't know he was going to catch him. Like he could have easily, just as easily broke his wrist or broke his elbow after being dragged in from midair by the jersey. Right. Like, I don't want to hear this. Oh, he broke the code. Your own guy, like so. So some moron on on social media says to me, "There's a difference between a guy going 80 miles an hour and a guy going 80 miles an hour and swerving in and out of traffic." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. There is a difference. But guess what? The guy who was going 80 doesn't get to complain about the guy who was going 80 miles an hour and swerving. It's the guy who was going 60 that gets to complain. Okay? So Steve Kerr, you don't get to say shit." About what happened because the, the last game, your own guy did the same thing. The hypocrisy is just unbelievable. Yeah, you make a good point with Carr. He's starting to get a little irritating. It's annoying. Um, and you're talking about like falling in shit, bro. He oh, my God. With Jordan, he got to play with Duncan. Now he's coaching this team. Right. After Mark Jackson kind a team of that was up, built like, by Mark Jackson. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. I'm sorry, but those guys have the toughness that they have because of Mark Jackson. He was the one who developed them and doesn't get any credit for it. And I'm sorry. He deserves more I credit. Heard, I heard he's finally up for a job. What was this? Sacramento? Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if I were him if I would want that. I would be interested. Uh, I totally agree. I would be interested if it was the Lakers' job because I think his strong personality and attitude might be exactly no, what LeBron, LeBron needs. LeBron does want personality. He wants to run the show. He, he may not want it, but I'm saying it's probably exactly what he needs. Gotcha. There's a difference. There's a big difference. So... Um, that's what I thought about that. I, I just, yeah, we'll I love we'll it. For, personally, I love it. I love the physical play. I love, I, I think most fans, if you ask them, do you like what you're seeing with the physical play in the NBA? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. We don't want anybody getting hurt. No, Nobody no. wants anybody getting hurt. We were just saying one of the problems that we're seeing is that these guys are injured and it's not fun not having the greatest players. But the fact is it's a better game right now when it's physical because it looks hard. Sports, pro sports, are supposed to look difficult. As a fan, I'm supposed to watch and say, "Man, I wish I could do that." Not, yeah. "Man, I'm, sh- I think I could do that too." You know what I'm saying? It Correct. should be like something that's out of the realm of possibility for me. When I watch golf, I'm like, "Shit, I can't do any of this." When I watch the NFL, I say, "There was a time I could throw pretty good, but I can't do any of this." These guys are fast; they're huge. We're talking about defensive ends and linemen who are 275 pounds running sub four five forties. Dude, it's crazy. Nobody listening to this can come to near anything close to that. But when you watch an NBA regular season, you're like, I can haul up, I can heave up threes. I might not make them all, but these guys don't make them all either. Like Westbrook is, I can shoot as good as him, and because nobody tries hard. But now that they're playing so hard in the playoffs, it's like, dude, this is fun. Like I can't, I can't do that. You watch John Morant, dude. Come on. This kid is as fun to watch as there is in the league right now, and he plays hard. He plays like Dwayne Wade. He plays like Allen Iverson, and that's what we like to see. Kind of got a little Jordan, a little Kobe in there, you know? So we like seeing that, and it's that's fun to watch. So we like the physical, and it's been better. No golf this week. 
No golf for the last two weeks. Frankly, the attendance. I'm watching. We'll say. I'm watching the uh, Wells Fargo now. It's a little dry on the uh, on the players. Here. Yeah, as I have it on behind me for those watching on on YouTube. Although Ricky Fowler's making a little run. Good to see. He still has a pulse. Smart Holy for Christ. him to enter this one since there's no other yeah. pros in the tournament. God, 160th what? ranked golfer golfer in the world right now. What's Jesus going Christ. on with him, man? Turn down the commercials. Yeah, he gets in a range. Whew. 65 in the books, my man. What do you got for me? 65, number four, three-time Super Bowl champ, five-time Pro Bowler, one of my dad's favorite players, former Giants and 49ers center, Bartos. Shout-out to my buddy Mac on that one, too. Number Underrated. three, 2009 World Series champ, 2010 All-Star, Yankee and twin reliever Phil Hughes. Number two, the current Yankee ace. Hmm. Making the league minimum, Mr. Nestor Cortez Jr. <laughs> Call him the ace. <laughs> a little Fantastic. sarcasm there. Yeah. Uh, and number one, one of my favorites, Super Bowl champ, five-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, 1980s and 1990s All-Decade team, Hall of Fame Viking and Bronco tackle Gary Zimmerman. Very nice. Uh, to I, What I have for you today is one thing. It's a little uh, today in sports history. We're going to take it back to the year of my birth, 1973. It was the 99th running of the Kentucky Derby. And Ron Turcott was the, uh, was the uh, what do you call it, the guy who rides the horse? What do you call it? The, uh... Jockey? Yeah, the jockey. I couldn't think of a word, oh man. Gosh. Thank you for that. <laughs> Ron Turcott was the, the jockey. The guy who rides the horse. All right. Well, I couldn't remember. And maybe most of you probably never heard of Ron Turcott. If you did, you're, you're big racing fans. But if you didn't. You definitely have heard of the horse that he was riding on. That was Secretariat, who won the Kentucky Derby with the fastest Kentucky Derby ever, 159.4. Um, and that was on this day. I guess that would be 48 years ago because it was the year of the Calisano. I came along. It was given life. Don't forget our giveaway. Subscribe to YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment anywhere you like. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I don't know. Send me an email. PeteCalsano.gmail.com. How about that one? How about that? Any way you want. And anytime you leave a comment, How about that, that? that counts as an entry. But if you're smart, and I know you are because you listen to this podcast... You will go on the Anchor app, leave us a voice message, and that will count as five entries. So if you do it twice, that's ten entries. Three times, Scotty, how many entries would that be? Fifteen. Woo! The guy knows math. So all you got to do is leave us a comment somewhere or leave us a voicemail, and you are entered. I just, go ahead. I just took my sock off for that. Oh, I know. You needed hands <laughs> and toes, right? And if you end up winning, we're going to make a drawing on August 15th. If you end up winning, you will get a T-shirt of the team of your choice. Unless you're the Houston Texans, then we're going to get you a better one than that. Um, <laughs> so that's all you got to do. A piece of cake, right? For Scott Bracey, I'm Pete Calisano. You've been listening to Bump and Run. And we'll catch you guys next week. Later. Later.